Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 78 of the North Meet South Web Podcast. Episode 78 it is, my friend. It was a good one today here. It was a good one. We, uh, you know, my anniversary is tomorrow, actually. And so oh, we... Uh, happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you What's that much. like? 12 what, years. 15 years? 12, 12 years? 12 years it I is. I knew that. Yep, yep. So... Uh, my wonderful wife and I got a chance to get out, and we actually went to a restaurant today where they had dine in for the first time. Wow! We're, yeah, so they just opened yesterday. Um, so you're the, uh, looking all, to bring COVID back to Illinois, then? Yep, yep. That's where yep. you know it's been it's been dropping off a little bit, so we're looking to get it back. Um, yeah. You know, all the restaurants just opened. We're in like phase four. Illinois is in a really slow rollout plan, which fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're in the phase four of five right now. So uh, restaurants are opening back up. Um, so yeah, it was cool. It's like our favorite place that we always went to pre-COVID. And so, hey, why nice. not? So it was pretty funny though. Like you you walk in and it's still very like, there's still very, there's still a lot of restrictions. It's not a normal dine-in experience. You mm-hmm. walk in and like there were yeah. like five tables in the entire restaurant where there used to be like 30. So they're all yeah. super far apart. You know, like all the menus are throwaway menus. I mean, it was, you know, it's definitely a different experience, but it was pretty cool to get yeah. back there and be able to enjoy some of the food that we've enjoyed for years in the past. And so uh did that, nice. walked around for a while with no kids, which was fun. And so, uh yeah, it was a good day. It was a good day. How about you, my friend? Uh, not too bad. We uh we got a full night's sleep last night, which was nice. Yesterday, Eli woke up at quarter to four and oh my gosh, that's uh, right. protested protested against mother that he didn't want to go back to sleep for an hour and a half, and she eventually gave up and said, "Your turn." So <laughs> I spent another hour with him and eventually got him to fall asleep, but only on me on the couch. So we were sprawled out on the couch with our. I mean, we've we've got it all set up there sure. from when he was little. So there's pillows and blankets and stuff. So yeah, so you got some and he good slept for another sleep. hour and a half. But then he uh, he refused to nap yesterday, and then we went out uh, to visit Ray's family, and he slept. He fell asleep in the car for maybe twenty or thirty minutes on the drive there, of course. And then uh, he didn't really look like he was going to go back to sleep when we when it was bedtime last night either. But once we got him down. Um, he slept through pretty much twelve hours, so that was fortunate for us. Um, yeah, because like they get to the you don't want to have two days of those back to back for sure. For sure, it's almost like you think like to yourself like, oh, they're gonna be so tired they're gonna fall right asleep, but then it's like if they hit this overly tired stage, it's just as bad. Yeah, they, they uh, just get into hyperland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so hey, you see that tweet? Right. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, so that was okay. It kind of blew all my plans out. We were gonna spend some time yesterday pairing to get this last bit of then ping me sorted out. And uh, luckily you were able to still truck through it, which was good. And then I just came through and and tidied up a few bits and pieces and then tidied up a few of my own bits and pieces and just adding a couple of little extra things into our alerts now. Um, changed a, a couple of code paths that you and I discussed probably about, I a, about a week ago where, where you said, that. yeah, we shouldn't do this. I'm like, no, no, this is fine. This no, is fine for... Yeah. And uh, and then today I was trying to figure out how we could <laughs> leverage some functionality in oh, our notifications, and and I was like, oh, it turns out we can't do it like that if we want to do this thing. So just uh, shuffled a couple of lines of code around and and got it going. There was actually um, one other and piece then that, with that. Like it was funny because as I was looking at your uh, report request today, I was like. With that alert was raised and alert was closed, like you had pushed the alert into the alert was closed because you're like, we actually need to know this. And I was like, okay, interesting. I was like, 
that was what we had talked about before with the alert was uh raised as well but i was like yeah like unless we need it i won't like say anything like it doesn't need to be 100 consistent no worries and then within like mm-hmm. an hour you were like hey you know that one thing we talked about we're actually going to do that like, <laughs> okay okay let's do that it's funny yeah yeah that that thing that i was like oh we don't need this and then later on it was like oh actually turns out we do so yeah i just got that working before we jumped on the call so that'll that'll say in here essentially when an alert was raised um down to the minute we don't i don't know that seconds are necessarily as useful in in some parts um seconds are good but in other parts they're not and unfortunately the javascript when you're using javascript to render dates from the the date prototype mm-hmm. you it doesn't show seconds it does um sort of day month date of month year hour minute and then am or pm as the default sort of locale string. And so to match that, we we do the same thing with Carbon on any of the server-side stuff that we do just to make sure that the the date formats are consistent as much as possible across as much of the application. Yeah, for sure. Both in the UI and, and in the notifications. So, yeah, it's a, I think it's okay. I don't really think you need to see down to the second in every instance. So... I think this this was the last piece that we needed to do in terms of core functionality to start opening up the beta. So this was adding our alert triggers. Sorry, we always had the events that said an alert was triggered and an alert was closed, but this was now hooking into those and then sending the, the notifications themselves. And so for the beta, at least, we're going to look at just doing email because it's the easiest thing you don't have to worry about setting up you know slack applications and figuring out what a webhook payload looks like and things like that it's just here is an email with like this task in this project has moved into this alert status and then we just link you straight through to the application and this is around you know getting the application out and getting it into the hands of some beta testers so we've got uh i think the last time i looked a few hundred that that are keen to check it out and it was interesting i am i put a poll out on twitter late last week yeah asking you know just the community at large who who is actually monitoring because i know that there's we've talked about this in the past there's a number of different um softwares as a service out there chronitor cronhub um health checks like heaps and heaps of different things and they're all because they're all based around crons um, you've got to kind of manually set them up. I know that one of them at least has got some automation around it and it'll actually hook into your crons and do some things for you there. But in a Laravel application, you only have one cron entry for all of your scheduled tasks. So Correct. it's not, yeah. from a cron level, it's not necessarily simple to do. And there are things like Envoy, for example, offers um, heartbeats and things like that where your application, you need to go and configure one by one a, a different URL to hit and then you've got to go and configure that. You've got to go and you know make a, a code change. You've got to do a deploy, all of that kind of stuff. And it, it can get a bit tedious, especially if you like forget to do it. And so the whole point of what we're trying to do is to make it like a, a one-step install and um, it'll keep itself in sync. So we offer you a, we provide you a command as part of the, the application to keep your tasks in sync with then ping me. And so you never need to worry about it, essentially. It will it will always keep your tasks in sync. It will always notify you on the schedules you expect them to be notified on. And we've just added, you've done some cool work and the timing from the Tailwind UI team was impeccable in getting sure. that UI element out, which meant that we didn't have to figure out how to either build that ourselves or 
have to like drop to another page because it doesn't really make sense to open send the user to another page. page for yeah. Th- yeah for three options, and so that'll then give you the control over um, grace periods for like your task should start within X minutes of of its schedule. Typically, you want that to be as close as possible, but we have discovered that the way that the Laravel scheduler runs, um, that's not always the case. And also if it takes longer than a certain, like if you're expecting a task that runs, say once a week to take 30 minutes to run, then you can specify in there, hey, you shouldn't notify me unless this task takes 40 minutes to run. So that we we don't tell you 60 minutes after this report starts running that you know will take a long time to run, that it is running late or it's timed out. so yeah, you know, we put our all that kind of stuff that in 60 there now. seconds, right? So we usually say yeah. like, hey, you know, if it's a short job, 60 seconds, we'll we'll notify you if it's started but hasn't finished within 60 seconds. So we time out that yeah. execution and then they'll raise an alert and then here you go, right? So yeah, it's been it's been good. And then you know, we put in the close notifications as well. And we also have um, we've one, got a couple of we had the one other item with the uh, consecutive failures too, to say like, hey, mm-hmm. if we have a job that does fail on occasion or something like that, like you know, I know I have one in particular where um, we have these closed files that we import and it updates like every hour. But sometimes like the file isn't out there, so it fails. Yeah. And like it doesn't yeah. really matter if it fails two times in a row. Like if it fails more than two times in a row, then tell me about it, right? Because it's just going to pick it up in mm-hmm. the next hour, right? If it fails once, no big deal. It's not critical. But if it fails two or three times in a row, that probably means that there's either something more going on or that users are going to start noticing. Right, so we've got that as yeah. well. Like, um, I think we call it consecutive failures. How many consecutive failures yep. should be allowed before we notify you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was really handy because, um, you know, if you've got tasks that run every minute, it's probably not as critical if they fail, sure. you know, once or twice because something will come along, you know, in, in two minutes or three minutes or four minutes, and it'll it'll process that again. Whereas if you have a task that runs once a week, if you're doing a weekly report and it doesn't run, you probably want to know straight away that that task didn't run. But for anything that's on like a minute or five minutes or or even 15 minutes, you could probably say it's okay if if we had one failure. And then if there were subsequent ones, well, okay, well, now we need to go and look at it because there's probably something wrong. And we see it from time to time, like queues get busy, they don't, you know, HTTP requests fail, you your your server might just lose connection to the internet. Um I I took <laughs> I took a screenshot that we had finally identified all of the slow points in our own main application and we were on a two-day streak and about 30 minutes after that we had some infrastructure <laughs> issues and so there went my two-day streak but it's it's been happy since then which is good to know so yeah it's it's very close um this was the last bit i've just cleaned up i'll i'll push some stuff for you to have a look at after we finish recording it'll take you 30 seconds just to say yes or no yep um and then we can merge all that together and and then we'll push that out to our staging environment so that the applications that we've got set up at least, we can sort of start getting a bit more clarity yeah, around sure. what's happening um, and make sure that the alerts are actually going out. And we, our assumption, well, my assumption, and I think you might agree with me in that a lot of scenarios, like we assume that SQS will just do its thing um, in, in processing queues. We assume that SES will do its job in sending emails in a timely fashion. So really the only thing that we are really closely watching and trying to make sure that we do a great job of in terms of um, making sure that it runs as it should, when it should, 
every single time. And obviously, we're monitoring then ping me with then ping me, right? Um, to make I sure that, that. that all of that <laughs> kind of stuff works. Um, and and look, we've found some things along the way with that, which we can probably talk about a little bit later on. Um, but now it's been like watching the UI and making sure that the UI is doing the right thing. And that's been our only real marker that like something has failed or gone missing or whatever. So having the emails now and being able to fine tune the settings and make sure that everything works in reality outside of, you know, our, our comprehensive test suite um, is, is the next thing that we're going to want to do. And so, you know, we'll probably spend like a week. I think I'm pretty comfortable in terms of like functionality that alerts are being raised at the right time. So if we spend a week, you know, with your apps and my apps, and I've yeah. got a couple of people that I work with um, that are using it for some of their their side gigs as well, just to start testing it out and getting those alerts, then that'll probably give us like the next little while. Hopefully if we can get the the landing page done in the next few days, we can at least get that out there and just like start to reinvigorate some of the interest. Cause I know that, you know, we said this would be ready in October last year, which I think when we said that in was it the end of August that it'd be ready in October. We we weren't quite we had a ready very naive for, view of what we wanted to. We were very right? we, we were very naive about what we wanted to do, about how we wanted to do it, about how much free time we'd have to do it. Um, that was right around the time of Laracon AU, so I was like floating around like a blue ass fly trying to get that all sorted out. So, and then you know things happened, Christmas happened, New Year happened, and then it kind of got away from us for a bit. Um, yeah, but Linden, when, Linden got when sick I had a, for a while. Yeah, it was just crazy. Yeah. Everything happened. Yeah, the end of the world happened, and then like 2020 happened. So yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, I was I was fortunate in April to have a couple of weeks to just really dig in and, and spend a lot of time on it and and got it into a really good place. I think and and having used it, you know, it's not like we've just finished writing the code today and we're going to ship it to everyone tomorrow. We've been using it for um a, a month. I've had a month of it running against then ping me and we're, you know, ironing out the kinks and we're, and we're making sure that like it's solid and pe- like when we get it into the hands of other people, um, you know, there's, there's probably like 10 applications that we're monitoring between four people at the moment. And so that's a, that's a sample size, but it's not a lot to go by and we're going to find some things. For example, I'm so excited for when it track- does actually hit up there, you know, to like a lot of, a lot of yeah. people's good like live stuff. Yeah, hopefully we don't find any like obscure edge cases that have us scratching our heads for ages and and questioning our existence so. and whether or not so, we want to do this. I, I don't do, think we will. What I do think will happen though is I do think people will actually see quite a bit of stuff that they were not aware of, right? Like I think just like mm-hmm. you did and just like I've yeah. seen in the past where it's like um we have these jobs that are not running. Like they like the weirdest ones to me are the ones where you have a multiple jobs scheduled for the same time and one of them fails mm-hmm. in that stack and the rest of them don't run. That's the worst. Yeah. Like you don't even realize that yeah. that happens. You see that the one fails that you saw that like Sentry catches that the one failed. Okay, great. But what it doesn't catch is that the other two that were scheduled to run at 10 o'clock a.m. never ran. Right. Correct. So that's, that's kind of the argument. People are like, well, I mean, I just have Sentry for that. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. like Sentry would catch some of it, but it does definitely not catch all of it. Like, it, yeah. you know, it's just there's some idiosyncrasies about the way that you have to handle it because you're using basically operating it off of a single cron 
that Correct. that like they're just because it's a Laravel specific the way that it's handled you have to handle it in the Laravel specific way you have to monitor it in that Laravel specific way or be aware of how the framework handles those things so yeah. that's kind of like in our um in our uh, write up kind of what I what I put in there is native task monitoring like Laravel native task monitoring is kind of like what yeah. I branded it a little bit because it is different than a cron it's it's totally different than just a cron um Right, because Laravel uses its own scheduler inside of the console kernel. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of things that you have to do differently than you than you would for just a regular cron, because you're not monitoring a cron; you're monitoring a task uh, inside of a cron. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So it's been interesting to kind of like talk through or, or trying to write out like what our distinctions, uh, like what our core competencies are, like what does this this particular solution offer that other cron monitoring things don't because like we were talking about earlier there are a dime a dozen there is a yeah. million of those cron monitors out there and, and the, like honestly if all we were really after was just a cron monitoring solution i feel like we probably would have been done last april right you know or whatever it was like whenever it was supposed to, or last october mm-hmm. um but but because of the way that we're handling it now it's just become a lot more complex which is good though I think yeah it gives a lot more insights for sure I think, yeah, it was not until we, we really started monitoring our own stuff that we started running into these things and going, oh, you know, it's not it's not just this and it's like handling tasks. Uh, it's handling things that can sometimes come out of order. You may very, like if you've got a task that takes half a second to run and and by default we will dispatch those pings to us onto a queue and if you're using Horizon, for example, and you've got multiple workers, you could have, a worker pick up and process the finished job before it picks up and processes the start job. Um, like, And it could just be that one of those processes fires the HTTP request quicker. It could be that, you know, any number of reasons that that happens, but we have seen it. And it was not until we started using it in the staging environment for our own projects that we noticed that that happened. And, and you had mentioned it through, you know, our, our initial development. I said, you know, it's not a problem until it's a problem. Let's kick that can down the road. And as with so many things in this project, the can does not get very far down the road before we have to. I know. Before we have to sort it out. So, um, you know, we've come across a number of those things. I think we're we've we've nailed a lot of them. One thing that we had in initially that I took out because I felt it was fairly useless was um, memory usage. Yeah, I'm. I, mean, I, I spoke to you about this, and I think yeah, I'm going to bring sure. it back in. Um, it's it's wildly different in like some tasks can take like zero meg of of memory to process, and then the next time they'll take like twenty meg. And I think these are just idiosyncrasies in how PHP actually reports memory usage. And on Vapor, for example, it never uses any memory. Like every time that one of our tasks ran on on Vapor. Um, it just reported zero meg of memory, so mm. I'm 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 gonna bring that metric back purely because I want to see how it behaves across more projects, and to see if it's something to do with PHP specifically, if it's the environments that I've got it deployed on. Um, for example, if you use Laravel's run-in background feature for a scheduled task. That task yeah. will almost always take anywhere between ten and twenty milliseconds to run right. because Laravel it, just shoves it into a into a separate process, and so it doesn't use any memory and it doesn't um, 
take any time to run. And so the the monitoring case for those kinds of things is interesting because we're not monitoring what your task is doing. I think we're fairly um, sort of accidentally on purpose privacy focused in that regard in that we don't care what your task is doing. We don't see the output of your task. We just know that a task started and a task finished. Or we know that the task started and didn't finish. Or we know that the task didn't start. Or we know that the task was skipped. But in terms of what it does, that is entirely up to you to to log the output, to make sure it's doing the right things and so on and so forth. We don't I don't I, I don't want to get involved in that aspect of of you know insight. I don't want to know what your task is doing. Sure, I know what your task is called, and you could infer, but like we're not looking at those tasks at, at all. Like we're not looking at individual tasks at a high level. We have a, a a command that comes through once a day and takes snapshots of how many executions we we trapped over the day, how many tasks were added, how many tasks we're monitoring. Like all of these kind of like sort of interesting from a analytical standpoint. Um, we look at average runtimes, and and soon we'll be able to look at like average memory usage to see like. On average, people that are running Laravel applications have got scheduled tasks that are taking this long to run um, and, and, and sort of things like that. And most crucially for us is monitoring drift between when we receive a ping from your application and when we process that ping. Because if, if we're not responding for an alert scenario within a few seconds, the alert is very much useless. Yeah. Like you don't want to know 10 minutes later that your task has failed. You want to know straight away that your task has failed um, uh, based on your alert settings. You know, if, if you want to know after, you know, three consecutive failed alerts, sure. But if you've got a critical report, you want to know that it ran when it was supposed to run. And and the report might run at midnight and you might not find out until 9 a.m. when you roll into work. That's cool. But we told you at, at, 12, uh, at 12 o'clock and five seconds, or, or whatever it is, yeah, that your task didn't start. So, you know, we're 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 very much focused on timely notification that things didn't do what they were supposed to do, as opposed to, oh, sorry, didn't run when they were supposed to run, as opposed to they didn't do what they were supposed to do, because there is no easy way for us to know. Um, and that's what where your, error your task comes. That's doing. where your error tracking service comes in, right? So Correct. it's like a companion. It's a companion to like an error tracking service. We would never say use this instead of. Uh, right, obviously. Um, yeah. Um, well, uh, this goes in hand in hand with Bug Snag and Sentry and um, uh, what are they called? Uh, Honey Badger, like all of those things. Yeah. Use these hand in hand with those services because they will tell you if the task that that ran did what it was supposed to do, or if it errored or whatever. But it won't tell you that it did run. And I, I you know, we've. As I said, they've got pings, but the whole point here is to be as hands-off as possible. It's to is to make it easy for you as a as a as someone responsible for let's say scheduled tasks are responsible for your recurring billing. And that could be hundreds of dollars a day or it could be tens of thousands of dollars a day. If you don't know that your payment system didn't run, like in, and you don't find out about it for a day or two days or whatever. And like we talked about in, in a previous episode, that's critical. If your things don't run when you say they're going to run, like on the day, down to the day, then that's a problem for you from a, a compliance perspective. 
If we say we're going to bill you on day X and we don't bill you until day X plus one because we didn't know that our billing didn't run on day X until the next day, that's a problem um, for compliance. Yeah. And that, you know, it, it's not for everyone. Don't get me wrong. Like if you've just got a Horizon snapshot running in your project, you may not even care that that task runs. Right. But if you are like me and you've got 10 or 20 or 30 tasks and or you've got 50 tasks across six different projects... Like it's probably critical in most in most organizations. If you have got scheduled tasks, they are doing regular background things. And if you don't know that they're running, then do you know that they're running? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, like, I, I agree with what you were saying as far as like I've I've been on on certain projects where there's not necessarily a massive need for scheduled tasks but for the for the majority of things that i've worked on um they have needed at least some and most of the ones that are running are pretty important ones you know um so anyway yeah i was i was uh reading today actually so we were just talking about how we were going to write up our um our pitch right justin jackson actually Mm -hmm. had a really great sort of twitter stream of thought here and um, there's this idea out there to focus on benefits over features, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, like what it can do for you rather than what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But the problem is benefits are individualized, right? Like it depends on what context you're coming from as to what the benefit could be for you. So apparently this is uh, common wisdom to focus on benefits over features. But the the problem that he talks about this is it basically leads to like fluffy, fluffy text and it doesn't necessarily convey quickly like what it is that your stuff does. So I, I wrote up mm-hmm. some items earlier today, right? And that was kind of your feedback. You're like, I don't know. There's a lot of words there, man. <laughs> like what are the, yeah. the, you know, like we kind of just need to get it, get like a little bit more punchy. Like what, you know, what is it that Yeah, it does? this is so, exactly what we want to say, but not how we wanted to say it. And like, exactly. you know, this was just, as you said, it was just a brain dump of this is what we want to have. But in yeah. terms of how we want to present that, um, you know, each of the points should be like a couple of sentences. So yeah. it's it's just going to take some time to to massage to, um, you know, really hone in on what the message is. And initially... If you go to thenping.me right now, our, our message just says schedule task monitoring for Laravel applications from zero to setup in less than 60 seconds. And like you just said, and, and what Justin was getting at, that's that's what it does. Um, it's yeah. not how it benefits you. Like why why do you care that it's zero to setup in, in less than 60? Well, we don't. Um, and I was I was speaking with Jack Ellis a while ago and, and he, he pitched a, a really interesting angle around you know it's not that you can monitor applications or that you can get set up in in less than 60 seconds plus or minus composer installing um it's it's more that you can you can know that your things have stopped working before your customers report it you know before before our contact center staff tell me hey this customer called up and said the billing system didn't run well i already know that the billing system ran when i get to work at eight o'clock and i can find out why it didn't run and I can run it again to to make sure that you know we deal with that before um, customers start calling us when the when the contact center opens. Because if if we don't bill, then customers may get suspended. So, you know, suspensions happen as part of a separate thing. Oh, this customer's not paid their bill. It was due yesterday. Off goes their internet, right? 
And if their internet goes off because we didn't process their payment, that's something that, that we need to fix and that we need to address before the customer calls us, for example. So, um, you know, having having the insight, knowing when your things are not working and, and prompting you to look at them, that's the key for us, I think. And that's the benefit to the user is that you know um, that, that things didn't happen. Yeah, so like some of the stuff that Justin says here just seems like so much common sense when he when he says it. So I'm just going to kind of read um, what this says. And he said, um, if a customer is ready to buy, they don't need to be told the benefits. They just need to know two things. Number one, am I in the right place? Does this product do what I'm looking for, right? Because typically they know what they're looking for, right? Uh, he makes the, the point, he says, like when somebody's Googling for your solution, are they Googling easily manage your company's financial future on all your devices? Is that what they're Googling or are they Googling accounting software? They're Googling accounting software, right? That's what they're looking for. So at the top of your page, you can say accounting software, like the best accounting software. I mean, go ahead and pontificate later, like down the page about what it is that you offer. But first, right off, they just need to know that they're in the right place, right? So number one, are they in the mm-hmm. right place? Number two, can they trust you? Um, he gave this illustration of salespeople trying to sell me on benefits when they're in the midst of purchasing. Like you're at a car dealership and he's like, yeah, you're going to love this car. It's electric. It means you'll never have to have an oil change. And he's like, yes, like I've done the research. That's why I'm here to buy it. Like I don't yeah, need, you know what I mean? Right. Like <laughs> quit bothering me with like the benefits. Just help me purchase the thing. Um, and so mm-hmm. what he says here, which I thought was really uh, important, is he said, a marketing site should be for people who have a high level of awareness about your product category. You're not teaching people about what a CRM is here, right? Like nobody's just like stumbling upon your site and like, oh, really? Maybe I need this, right? Um, If you're educating the consumer, that should happen in blog posts or in videos or tutorials or talks or in Twitter or in podcasts, right? Or in ads. That's where that should happen, right? Education about why they need it is done in those places. When they arrive on the site, that marketing page should be boom. Here's where you are, and this is exactly what it does quite quickly, right? So he even talked about the idea that some people will just jump to the pricing page immediately because the pricing page mm-hmm. just lists out feature, 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 feature. Yeah. Next tier, feature, feature, feature. And it gives feature. you the you comparisons. Don't, exactly. And all you don't have to exactly. read all the crufts. You just kind of get the, the the main features, right? Um. So anyway, I, I thought this was really, really good. And we'll def- I'm definitely going to be taking a look into this uh, when we were writing our page. Justin is such an inspirational figure kind of in this area. Uh, one of his, I think one of his first books was called Marketing for Developers, which we wrote probably, I don't know, eight years ago. Um, yeah. It was like the first thing that I found of Justin's. I was like, oh my word, this is really, really good stuff. So that's when I first started following him. Um, but yeah, he's he's a, he's a great resource for this stuff. And he has these these Twitter kind of rants on a semi-regular basis. If you don't follow him, you should definitely check it out. It's M-I Justin, uh, the letter M, the letter I, Justin uh, on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, really, really good stuff there. So I'm looking forward to kind of working through at least I, I started when I was writing it here, I like literally just opened a Notion document and started typing. So without worrying about any of the visuals, just like what is the message I want to communicate on this page? And then the nice thing about Tailwind UI is you just kind of can snap it together and then customize it a bit, right? Um, mm-hmm. Not if you're Jack McDade. If you're Jack McDade, you don't do that. But you know, no. if you're the rest <laughs> of us, then then maybe. Yes. Um, I'm very keen to um, hone in on our message now and, and really start focusing on that and, and get it in front of some of these smart people that we are friends with and, and just ask them, like, 
what what are we doing wrong? Because we're going to do something wrong. And, and I would rather know early what we're doing wrong. And, you know, we, we don't want to have to change our message too much. We don't want to put it out there and then people go, oh, I don't get it or I don't need that or I don't want it. We want it to be very clear. Um, and I'm, I kind of hope that we've done a reasonable job of making it clear why this is needed. I know that in in the, the tweets I've been putting out over the last couple of months, I suppose most people get it. Some people are like, sounded like something was about to fall off a wall. Um, <laughs> some people were, were saying, you know, I, why why can't I just use X? And I think the the cron thing is is key. And look, if you're already using something, if you're already using another product and you've already got all these things manually set up in your app, like you're, you're probably doing okay. Um, but I think where we're really focused is specifically on Laravel, specifically on hands-off configuration, unless you need to tweak your notification settings and just keeping everything up to date always. And we will tell you, like we will detect when something has changed and we will tell you that this task is new or this task has changed schedule. Um, well, sort of, we can't really tell if a task changes schedule. We can tell that there is a, a task, task that has a... Yeah. A, a, yeah. We, can, we can't even really guess based on the, ta- the, the command. If you have a task, let's call it then ping me colon check and you've got that set up to run every minute. And you find that you're getting a lot of alerts saying that this task is taking too long to run, right? The the then ping me colon check command takes 75 seconds to run on average. And you'll get that insight from us. We'll show you that it takes 75 seconds to run on average. So what do you do? You change it to run every two minutes or every five minutes, something more than, than 75 seconds. Now, when you deploy that, and you call our sync command, it will send all of your tasks to us and we will look to see if there is anything in that new payload that doesn't match what we've already got configured. And we will remove everything that we don't, you know, we will assume that your application is the single source of truth because it is. You are Your application is control of the schedule. You don't ever have to come in and define your schedule in our application. You don't ever have to tell us what the commands are or when they're on or anything like that. Your application is the single source of truth. But we don't know that you have gone into your console kernel and changed every minute to every two minutes. We don't know that. We just see that there's another task. Um, we could guess based on the the command that we have a then ping me colon check and you have sent us a then ping me colon check that has a different schedule. But we can't make that assumption that that is the same task because you may you may have decided that you want to run then ping me colon check every minute and then ping me colon check every two minutes with a different set of parameters. You might pass some command line options in or whatever. We can't really infer the difference between the two easily. So we just assume that like, hey, this is different. Um, And I don't think that happens often. I think it's more likely that you would change. Like for example, for us, we found when we started monitoring that one of our applic- uh, one of our tasks over the course of the day, as it was processing, processing more and more data, it was taking longer and longer to run. And so it was causing everything that ran on the same schedule to bump off. Um, so instead of running, you know, every on the minute where it was supposed to, it was like running 30 seconds later and then 60 seconds later and then 90 seconds later and then, you know, throughout the day. 
And and like clockwork, at midnight, it went back to zero seconds. So these are the kind of things we see. And so in that scenario, all we did was tack on like running background onto that task. We ran sync and we went, no worries. This is the same task that's now running in the background. But if we had changed the schedule, like don't run every 15 minutes, run every 30 minutes, but we don't know now that that's the same task. So there's a, there's a user story there that we're kind of trying to iron out. At the moment, we'll just like get rid of the old task and replace it with whatever was in that payload. The problem with that currently is that you will lose history. You'll lose the execution history. You will lose the, the, you know, the timings and all the metrics and things like that. There is, there is a path forward for us where we like, cause we will tell you when this has happened. We will detect that we're like, Hey, this task was removed. These ones are your new ones. And then we will tell you, um, later we want to look at the option of giving you the ability to like merge like here's the task yeah. we deleted do you want to merge that data with this new task and then it's up to you to selectively do that if you want to keep that if you don't care like it doesn't matter but if you want to keep that history and, and all of that kind of stuff and and you know get new insights from that change then that's something we'll we'll give you the we'll empower you to do that through the, the application but right now we just delete it um yeah we soft delete it so it's it's not gone gone and if you'd like desperately need that data, we can manually um, link it all up again. So um, that's that's not a huge deal. But this, you know, these are the kind of things that we've like made decisions on. We punted down the road, and um, I was listening to Jason Freed and DHH's Q and Hey Q and Hey <laughs> nice. from the other day um, about their new product that they launched. Hey, and they were talking like they're a team of fifty, and these are the decisions that they made for their V one. This is the same as like you and I. We are a team of two, and these are the decisions that we've made as a team of two for our V. I'm not even going to call it a V1. It's like a V0.1. You know, we'll get it out there, and, and people will use it. And I, and I think for the most part, it'll be fine. So, um, we'll we'll field these things out. We'll add new features. I just we we really need to lock it down. And and you and I spoke like two weeks ago, and we said like these are the features that we need to lock in to start getting people on that coveted beta list into the even more coveted application beta. And I, I look, I'm confident we'll be okay. I'm confident that running this stuff on Vapor is going to, you yeah, know, all of this things we talk about, the, the queues are going to run and the, the emails are going to run and, and things get processed. Um, we've got a lot of scale there that we don't need right now. Um, and, and like we'll just leverage that and we'll get people in and we'll get them to start testing it out and, and we'll get the feedback from them um, in, in one way or another. Um, either via Twitter or via email or Telegram or whatever. I think we set up we set up a Telegram, I set up a Telegram channel thing. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know all that kind of stuff. We will we'll have people come in and they'll and I'll talk to us. I'm not setting up a Discord because I think that's pointless <laughs> at this stage. Yeah, I, at this I'm stage, already in too many Discord chat. I'm I'm already in too many Discord servers that I don't have time to read. So that's funny. Um, the the Telegram thing is nice and easy. And like, and well, if you want to talk to us on email, you and I send an email to to us or, or or just dm us on on twitter or whatever like we'll take your feedback in in whatever's convenient for you to to talk about this so the other thing that's nice is for us to run out of the world so we have 24-hour service <laughs> sure yeah, yeah we, we chase nice. the sun by accident yeah hey uh, my laptop is dying here so i've got two more things real quick um Go. that i think would be interesting so like i know we're just locking down the other features right now but like one thing that i've had happen before is like I had a server that I deployed and it was like a staging server. Actually, it wasn't even like a staging server. It was like a, a, it was like an almost production server. 
Um, but I forgot to schedule a scheduler for it. Like I forgot to put a scheduler mm-hmm. daemon in for it. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, I was thinking it'd be interesting. Like if we ever, if we installed then ping me on something and it like ran the setup command and then you get first, like when you, when you go to deploy it, I mean, maybe you even have like a deploy command or something. If you don't hear from the scheduler within, I don't know, like you could really even say like, hey, every time scheduler runs, just heartbeat, douche, douche, mm-hmm. douche. We should hear from it every whatever, every minute. Like it would be interesting if you could say like, hey, uh, it's possible your scheduler daemon is down. Like we haven't heard from it in five minutes or something like that. Like that would be really convenient. I've had that happen before where either scheduler freezes, that. scheduler freezes. That's happened before too, which is odd, but does happen. And scheduler just all of a sudden just stops. Like, and it's not like, you know, it's on supervisors. So normally it would just get restarted, but I've had it like just freeze up before. Um, so that would be kind of nice. And then the other thing too is like, I've had Horizon also, uh, or my queue workers just freeze up. I don't know if you've ever had that app before where you they have like a database queue worker or a Horizon queue worker, and all of a sudden, like it's sitting there, but your pending jobs are not running. Like, I don't, have you ever had that happen? Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, if we literally, like, if we said, hey, each time we uh, run that scheduler too, like, we'll, we'll kick a job out to your queue worker to just run. And that will just be an additional ping. Like, it looks, if we can see that it looks like they have Horizon installed. Just kick out something like that, or a queue worker installed. If their, you know, if their environment is like they have a DB, uh, or their queue connection is d- database or something, or is Horizon or whatever, um, we could say like, hey, we recognize that you're looks like you're running Horizon or a database thing. Do you want us to monitor that for you too? Uh, that would be kind of nice. It'd be a nice little add-in um, for me. Even if we don't actually put it in, I'll probably build something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's happened. I think too that's, many times that's fair us. enough. Because at the moment, what we do is we will, when your project is set up, we set everything to pending and we will not alert on any of those tasks until they start to ping in. So we'll tell you that when you, when you set up your project, when you run the then ping me packages install command, it'll send you an email and say, Hey, we've got your thing. Um, it will notify you once all of this stuff is ready to go. Right. Um, I think I already, here we go. Is there a screenshot that I put? Oh, I did. Look at that. Your project is now set up with NPing me. We, we're ready to help you ensure your critical tasks are running when they should be. We won't alert you for any of your project tasks until they ping us for the first time, but we'll let you know as soon as that happens. So the theory being that when you run the install command, we'll tell you, yep, we're all good to go. If you're watching the UI when this happens, it'll all happen in, in real time, right? Um, and then that's it. So this is this is for that scenario where you would run the setup on localhost, like in your development right. environment. Yeah. Make sure it, it pushes everything in there, then submit a merge, you know, pull request into your repo, deploy, whatever. So it could be a, there, there could be a lag there. So we just need to find what the nice period of time is between when the project is set up and when we should say, hey, we haven't seen any pings come in. You, I think five minutes is too short a time in that scenario, which I think would be fairly common. Like all of my stuff um, has been set up locally and then we've deployed. Yeah, our, yeah no, our I release mean, process there, is convoluted. Yeah, it would be, it would actually be after that process. So like what I was trying to figure out is like, would there be like, I know with Sentry, when we have like a new release, like you actually set a release uh, title and then you, in, in your CI, 
you basically say deploy the release like douche mm-hmm. and that like that lets it know like hey we are actually pushing it out there to production now so like uh you know with that like task with that um then ping me sync command like we're syncing it uh if we wanted to we could install additional command or something that would say like hey we're actually going live with it i don't know if that's actually necessary but but the idea is there yeah right? like how the actual technical implementation of it would work would be one thing uh but once we know that you're running the application once we know that it's running um, it would be handy if we knew like, hey, by the way, your scheduler doesn't seem to be running or Horizon or, or your queue worker doesn't seem to be running because we also rely on the yeah. queue worker as well to, you know, if you're queuing your uh, your alerts, which or, or I'm sorry, your task check-ins, which you probably would be, um, yeah. then it's, you know, it's likely that we're also relying upon your queue worker in order to be able to send these things over to us. So uh, if we Mm -hmm. let you know that your scheduler wasn't running or your queue worker wasn't running, that might be something helpful. For me, I know it's happened before. It would be very helpful, but yeah. Yeah. Hey, dude, we got, I got 5% left on this laptop. So we're going to wrap this up. Any final thoughts? Yeah. Thanks to our friends at Fathom Analytics for once again, sponsoring this little show of ours. You can check them out at usefathom.com forward slash north. Fathom Analytics are a privacy-focused analytics platform for your business needs. It will tell you only the things you need to know and none of the things you don't. Um, It's getting a lot of press at the moment. Uh, There's a lot of bits and pieces going on, especially with the new um, new Safari Safari is coming out. It's going to like start blocking Google Analytics. Uh, I think it doesn't block Google Analytics as such. It blocks the cross-site tracking. Correct. Yes, yes. Exactly um, right. So those things would be a bit wishy-washy. Fathom Analytics uses custom domain, so you can push things out on your own uh, custom domain, which makes it much more difficult to pinpoint because you can't block the entire Fathom Analytics. You can only block um, you know, domain after domain, so you'd be doing that on every single thing. So uh, it's privacy-focused. It tells you only the things you need to know. It doesn't track your users. It's all anonymized, all the good stuff. You get a 14 free 14 day free trial if you sign up using usefathom.com forward slash north and a $20 credit. So you'll effectively get like two months free on, on that product. So thanks thanks to the folks at Fathom Analytics and thanks also to the team at WorkVivo who re-upped their, uh, subs- uh, their subscription, who re-upped their uh, sponsorship <laughs> of the show. So we thank them as well. Thanks to, to Joe Lennon and the crew. You can check them out at workvivo.com. Come. Awesome. Hey, what episode are we on again? Tell me one more time. 78. 78, 78 everybody. Find show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 78. Hit us up on Twitter or uh, yeah, actually just Twitter, really, at Michael uh, Dorinda at Jake Bennett, Jacob Bennett. Uh, and uh, if you like the show, feel free to rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. We'd really, really appreciate it. Okay, everybody. We will see you in two weeks and hopefully by then we will definitely have uh, all of you wonderful people on the beta, as Michael likes to say it. On the beta. On the beta. All right, everybody. Till next time. See you. Bye. Bye.